Shalom and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com and our study of Sefer Dvarim. My name is Menachem Liptag. Today we continue our study of Parshat Nitzavim, class number three out of six. Our study today will begin in chapter 29, verse 21, and conclude in verse 28. Eight verses that stand alone, but they also carry a very difficult message. Before we begin, let's note where we are at this point in the parsha. We are in the middle of a covenant called Brit Nitzavim. It was a special or an additional covenant made in Arvot Moab before Moshe Rabbeinu's death. Is Amisro now prepared to enter the land? The question we discussed in our earlier shiurim this week was why is there a need for an additional covenant? Why wasn't the covenant in Har Sinai enough? We saw an additional covenant to be conducted on Harival once we enter the land. That we saw in Parshat Kitavo, better known as Brit Harival, where Moshe commands the nation to perform that covenant, but it was not made yet. And there we explained that we need a special covenant once we enter the land of Israel, as in addition to the covenant of Mount Sinai in the desert, there's also a need to perform the national covenant in the land of Israel itself, on Harival, in the middle of the mountain range near the city of Shechem. On the same site where Avram's journey to the land of Israel began, as Amisro begins their conquest of the land, they also need to make a ceremony and reaffirm that covenant in the land of Israel itself. But this covenant is being made by Moshe Rabbeinu in Arvot Moab, and we ask the question, why wasn't the covenant at Har Sinai enough? The answer we suggested was that this is actually a covenant about the covenant. It doesn't add any additional laws or any additional warnings, but rather it explains the terms of the covenant. We saw that this covenant is eternal, meaning it's binding on all generations, no matter who is born into this nation, automatically becomes a member of that covenant. And more so, Am Yisrael as a nation cannot break out of the covenant, nor can any individual, not a tribe, not a family, nor a man or a woman, are permitted to break out. They might want to, but God says it is not permitted, and threatens very harsh punishment should someone consider that. That we saw in yesterday's class. In tomorrow's class, we're going to see how God himself cannot break out of this covenant. And therefore, all the topics are going to be relating to a covenant about a covenant. And even though this would have applied to the first generation, had they been indeed ready to begin the conquest of the land, we did not clarify these points until Amisra was ready to begin their conquest. And therefore we saw both in chapter 27 and more so in chapter 29, that Moshe Rabbeinu reminds the people, on this day, only at this point in history, are you now ready to become a nation for God? Moshe realizes that the nation is now ready to take on the task of becoming God's people. They willingly accept this covenant. And therefore, now that the process of becoming a nation has officially begun, we're about to enter the land. We have to make a covenant about the covenant to make sure it's clear to everyone before everyone disperses into the new land that this will be binding on all generations and no one is allowed to break out. Of course, when they're living in the desert, all in the same camp, it's hard to break out. You're part of a nation. But once you're in a land, and each tribe is in their own territory, and people are far away from the center, someone might think, maybe I'll join a local nation. Maybe I'll start something new. Everyone needs to know that this covenant is binding, and no one can say, I don't want the reward nor the punishment. As we explained, if you're born Jewish, you're Jewish forever. In today's year, we will find an interesting tangent relating to what might happen should God punish the nation to the point of exile, and what is gained by such severe punishment? So let's begin. Perak Chavtet Pasuk Chavalef. Verse 21 
ואמר הדור האחרון, בניכם אשר יקומו מאחריכם, ואנוכרי אשר יבוא מארץ רחוקה, and the next generation, or the last generation, we'll discuss this soon, your children who will come after you, and the stranger who may come from a faraway land, וראו את מכות הארץ ההיא ואת תחלואה, אשר חילה אדוני בה, and your children or strangers will see this severe punishment that happened to the land, and all the diseases that God afflicted the land with, and as we will soon read, this later generation, or the stranger coming from an outside land, will notice how severe this punishment is, and will be amazed and puzzled, why was this punishment so severe? Pasach Abed, verse 22, will now describe the extent of the destruction of the land. Gofrit v'melech srefa chol Sulfur and salt has burned all the land. Lo tizara v'lo tatzmiach v'lo yaleva ko'esev. Nothing can be planted and nothing can grow. Not even grass can grow on it. K'mapechat stone v'amora adma u'tzvoim asherafach adonai ba'po u'v'chamatom. It is like the destruction of Stone and Gemara, the cities of Adma and Sabaim, that Hashem had overturned in his anger and rage. We will soon return to this comparison to Stone and Amora, but first let's see what these nations will say about this severe destruction. Pasach of Gimel, verse 23. All the nations will say when they see this destruction, why did God do this to this land? What was the reason for this great display of anger? What we see here is that the punishment that God threatens to bring upon the nation of Israel is so harsh that it will bewilder the other nations. Not only our children will be asking, why did we receive such a harsh punishment? But also the strangers and the other nations will notice how severely we've been punished and they'll ask, there must be a reason for this. What would they answer? Pasach Abdalad, verse 24. They'll reach the conclusion, they will say, is because they have left the covenant with Hashem, the God of the forefathers. The covenant that he made with them when he took them out of the land of Egypt. In other words, the people will correlate the severe punishment to the fact that Am Yisrael left their God. Pasach Hafei, verse 25, This nation that God took out of Egypt and gave this land to, they went and they served other gods. And they bowed down to those other gods. Gods that they never heard of before and gods who are not their portion. The assumption here is that every nation has a God and the God of Israel is associated with the people of Israel. And if the land receives such a severe punishment, the people will conclude the God of the Jewish people was very angry with them, and this must be because they broke his covenant. Pasach Havav, verse 26, And hence, Hashem's anger was kindled against this land, to bring upon it this curse that is written in this book. Pasach Havzayin, verse 27, And God drove them out of their land with anger, rage, and great fury. And He exiled them to another land 
where they remain, as it is in this day, the day when the nations will say this, the nations will be saying this at a time of exile, and they will say, God must have been very angry because this nation is still out of the land, and the land is so desolate. What appears to be rather ironic about this is that the underlying goal of why Hashem chose the people to sanctify His name among the nations may be partially fulfilled in a very roundabout way. Ideally, the nations should come and recognize us as God's people by the manner in which God blesses us and takes care of us when we keep the laws. If the land is blessed and is prosperous and the nation in Israel is keeping God's laws, the people will say this is because they're keeping the laws of their God. We saw this back in Moshe Rabbeinu's introductory speech in chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Recall there that Moshe Rabbeinu explained to the people, Ushmartem vasitem, make sure to keep these laws and do them, it is your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the nations. They will hear about all your laws and how you keep them. And they will say how great this nation is that God has chosen and how God is close to that nation. In other words, when Am Yisrael is living in the land, following God's laws and receiving God's blessings, that will sanctify God in the eyes of the nation. And now again, in a very sad in an unfortunate manner, we will partially fulfill that goal of the other nations recognizing God, but not through how successful we are and how close to God we are, but rather by the outer proportion manner through which God punishes our nation. Either way, our nation will be associated with God, either by the tremendous amount of help that He gives us when we follow His laws, or by the severe and unproportionate punishment that we receive when we don't keep the laws. But no matter what we do, our history is associated with our God. That is a very harsh and difficult message. However, it does relate to our underlying theme of a covenant about the covenant. This covenant is eternal and it cannot be broken, but its goal can be fulfilled not only through reward, but unfortunately can also be fulfilled in a roundabout manner through severe punishment. This understanding may give us some insight on the final line of this section, Pasuk Chavchet, verse 28, that which is hidden is for Hashem our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever in order that we may observe all the commandments of this Torah or possibly all the principles of this Torah depending again what the word Devarim is referring to. In regard to the difference between nistarot and niglot, between the secret things and the revealed things, we find an argument among the commentators. Rashbam and Eben Ezra both present the classic explanation that that which is hidden, that is, the actions against God that are done privately by the individuals that other people do not know about, that is between God and those individual people. And for that behavior, the nation as a whole will not be punished. However, Public acts, things that are seen and revealed, they become the nation's responsibility to punish. And if people within the nation act in a manner which goes against God's laws, it's the responsibility of the nation, or Beitim, the court system, to punish them. And if they do not take care of that, then God will bring this horrible punishment. Rashi also explains this pasuk in a similar manner and brings up the question, Im tamru if the people ask, what can we do about this? Is it true that you punish the masses because of the thoughts of the individual? Referring to what we read beforehand, 
should an individual, an ish or an isha or a mishpacha, should they stay in their own heart? That I'll go in my own way. Are you going to punish everyone for those private actions? A person doesn't know what other people are thinking. So why are you punishing all of us for the sins that are done privately by others? Then Rashi brings down God's answer. I will not punish you for transgressions that are done privately. He'll punish that individual person. Those actions that are revealed, that we see, that the public notices, it is our job and the job of our children to wipe out that evil from our midst. But if we, society, does not punish them properly, then society as a whole is responsible and everyone will be punished. Ramban quotes these different opinions, but offers a different approach, what he calls B'derach HaPshat. And he says as follows, V'dati B'derach HaPshat, he says the nistarot are not what is hidden to society, but rather what is hidden to the individual person. Transgressions which a person commits against God, they're done unintentionally. That is what he calls nistarot. And therefore, he says, God will take care of that privately. But the revealed things, that is, transgressions that are made intentionally, zadon, these harsh warnings and punishments that God is threatening against the nation in this entire section, those severe punishments will only be given by God for intentional sins and not for unintentional sins. In light of what we read in the previous verses, one could also suggest that because the nations are going to reach this conclusion due to our severe punishment that God must be behind these events, then our hidden actions, that is, the actions that the other nations don't see, that's between ourselves and God. That will not warrant such a harsh punishment. But when our bad behavior and our corrupt society is seen by the other nations and revealed to them, then God brings a harsh punishment. So when the nations see the severe nature of our punishment, they will associate that with our bad behavior. And therefore, our responsibility is to fix our society because of our corrupt behavior is seen and revealed to the other nations, this will desecrate his name, and therefore God must do something about it. Returning to the description that the Pasuk uses to the level of destruction that God will bring upon the land, he compares it to the overturning of Stoman and Amorah. We saw back in verse 22, in the second half of the Pasuk, Just like God destroyed Stoman and Amorah, with his severe anger and fury, that is what's going to happen to our land. So the simplest way to understand this is that the destruction of Stom and Amorah was so harsh, it's a phrase used to describe severe destruction. And this harsh destruction of the area of the Dead Sea can be used to describe to what degree God brings punishment on the land. However, it could also be alluding not only to the severeness of the punishment, but also the reason for the punishment. And this would relate very nicely to the way we explained Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu and the idea that the nations will see how bad our behavior was and associate that with God being upset at the behavior of his nation. Recall that the Navi Yechezkel in chapter 16 explains what was the sin of Stom. There he states, This was the sin of the nation of Stom. And he's saying that you and Jerusalem are acting worse than Stom. 
It was a society full of prosperity and bread. It was quiet and peaceful and full of wealth. It didn't take care of the poor and the needy. According to Yechezkel, his Ramban, in his commentary on Sefer Breshit, quotes this verse as well, God's primary anger with the society of stone and the reason why he brought upon them such a severe punishment was not only because they wanted to rape Lot's two guests, but rather was because of an unjust society, a wealthy, prosperous community that didn't take care of the less fortunate. Recall as well that one of the key themes we've seen in all the laws of Sefer Tavarim was building that just society, the need to take care of the poor and the needy, and to make those who are less fortunate to make them happy. The recurring phrase, remember you were slave in Egypt, and therefore when you harvest your field, make sure to leave over for others. Don't mistreat the stranger, the orphan, and the widow. You can bring numerous examples. The prophet Isaiah and Sefer Yishayel, in the Torah that we read before Tisha B'Av, in chapter 1, also uses Domina Morah as a description not only of the harsh nature of the punishment that Am Yisrael is receiving, but also in regard to the reason for their punishment. Recall in chapter 1 in Yishayel, he explains, Your land is desolate, your cities are burnt in fire, and after explaining how harsh this punishment is, using imagery very similar to what we see in Parshat Mitzavim, and then he continues in verse 9, he explains, We are like stone and amora. It could be that he's saying our punishment was so harsh, our land is so desolate, it looks like stone and amora. Or it could be he's saying the reason for this punishment is because our behavior was like stone and And that's exactly how the Navi continues in chapter 1, verse 10 in Yishayahu, why are you bringing me sacrifices? I don't want your sacrifices. Yishayel continues, I don't want your prayers. I don't like your holidays. I don't like all the ritual that you're doing in the temple. I'm disgusted by it, God says. And even when you pray, I'm not listening. Instead, what does the Navi complain about? Your behavior is bad, and there's no point in coming and praying to God and bringing him sacrifices if you don't fix your society. Therefore, he says, Fix your ways. Get rid of your evil behavior. Stop doing evil. Instead, do justice. Take care of the poor and the needy. And Yeshayahu concludes with his famous line, What will save Jerusalem from destruction is if the nation does mishpat and staka, justice and righteousness. And there we see, according to Yeshayahu, and clearly that's how he understood the story of stone, that the sin of stone, which becomes the thematic opposite of what God expects from his own nation, was the lack of justice and righteousness. And the reason why God is bringing such severe destruction on the people of Israel during the time period of Yeshayahu is primarily because its society did not do justice and righteousness. That's Yeshayahu in chapter 5 as well, with his famous Mashallah Kerem, for those who are familiar with the book of Isaiah. If Parshat Nitzavim is a covenant about the covenant, then this reference to Stomana Morah may be thematically very significant. Because the underlying purpose of God's covenant with Am Yisra was earlier explained to Avram Avinu within that story of the destruction of Stom. Recall from chapter 18 in Sefer Breshit, first the three angels come to Avram Avinu, and Avram greets them with great hospitality, acting in a manner which is typical of the behavior that God expects from his people. Afterwards, 
they give Avram and Sarah the news of the birth of Yitzchak, and as those angels are being sent by God to investigate how severe the sin of Stom is, God and Avram Avinu have a conversation in regard to what we call contagious behavior. And God explains to Avram Avinu, even if I find ten righteous people in Stom, I would give that city another chance, because the hope is a small group of righteous people can have an effect on others. But if I cannot even find ten righteous people in stone, if the entire city is evil, then I must destroy that town. And before that conversation takes place between God and Avram Avinu, Chumash, in chapter 18, verses 17 through 19, explains to the reader the underlying purpose for why God entered this covenant with Avram Avinu in the first place. And these verses are the background to all the laws of social justice that we found in Sefer Devarim. They form the background for why God chose our nation in the first place to have an effect on civilization. And if you look again in chapter 18, verse 17 in Breshit, Chumash tells the reader that God had said, Can I hide from Avram what I am about to do? And then in verse 18, Avram was chosen to become this great nation, and he would bring blessing to all the nations of the land. And then Chumash in verse 19 in chapter 18 in Breshit, explains why God was picking Avram in the first place. Ki dativ, because I came to know him, Chumash tells the reader, Leman asher banav in order that Avram would bring up a family that he would teach and command his children and they their children, that they would keep the ways of God, they would emulate God in their day-to-day behavior by doing justice and righteousness and building such a society. In order that Hashem will bring upon Avram his goal of becoming this nation, that is why God chose his people in the first place. The behavior of society in stone is exactly the opposite of a society of mishpat and staka. There's mishpat in stone, but no staka. There's justice, but no righteousness. And even though God promised never to bring another flood to destroy all civilization, he does warn that a specific civilization that's acting unjust, God will punish. God was choosing a nation that would be his model nation that other nations could learn from in regard to good behavior. And now, if the nation of Israel are not following the core principles of Sefer Devarim and not fulfilling the goal of the covenant, God warns, I'll have to bring a destruction that is severe and disproportionate to what anyone would expect from any other land. To the point when the other nations see how bad our behavior is and then see our severe punishment, they'll reach the conclusion, this must be the act of God because they had broken their covenant with God. So it could very well be that the reason why the Torah uses this analogy of its destruction to that of Stom and Amorah is not simply to describe how severe the destruction will be, but also to the underlying reason for why God was so angry with the land. If our society is acting like Stom and Amorah, then we deserve the punishment of Stom and Amorah. We were chosen to do exactly the opposite, and when the core values of this covenant are not fulfilled by the nation, God will have to intervene, he'll have to bring punishment, but as we will see in tomorrow's class, this covenant is never totally broken. Ultimately, God expects Amisro to repent, to realize what they've done wrong because of their punishment, return to God, and after the return to God, God will return them to their land. I'd like to conclude today's sure with the first from this topic in Isaiah, in Yeshayahu chapter 5, after Mashallah Karim, he describes what would sanctify God he says, God's name and reputation will be elevated 
by our doing mishpat, by our doing justice. Ve'elah kadosh, nikdash v'itztakah, will be sanctified by our doing righteousness. And that is the final line that leads into the special blessing in Shvanesrei, where we switch ha'elah kadosh to ha'melech kadosh. We say as follows, kadosh atav v'norash shamecha, ve'in eloham ibadodecha, you are kadosh, your name should be feared, and there's no other God like you. Then we say, What these verses seem to imply, the way which we make God king and make his kingdom recognized by all the nations, one of the things of Rosh Hashanah davening is by our doing, we remind ourselves of this every day in Shmonesrei, in the Bracha, but on Rosh Hashanah, we add this concept when we make the third blessing in Shmonesrei, what enables God becoming Melch Kadosh, and not simply an El Kadosh, is a nation known for its acts of justice and righteousness.